welcome to the 250, the podcast where we ponder those flappy things the pirates have and their adherence to the known rules of aeronautics. With me, as always, is my co-host, Douglas. How are you, Douglas? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm That's glad that... Here. Yeah, you can actually we do that without... We have this exchange. You talk to me. This is yeah. good. You, you, like, don't stuff that up like, like I did last week, so I'm pretty <laughs> proud of you. I actually know what's coming. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um... If this is your first time tuning into the 250, uh, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and we've begun watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, thoughts, and reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 249, Laputa, Castle in the Sky. Patsu, an engineer's apprentice, finds a young girl, Sheeta, floating down from the sky wearing a glowing pendant. Together they discover both are searching for the legendary floating castle, Laputa, and vow to unravel the mystery of the luminous crystal around her neck. Their quest won't be easy, however. There are air pirates, secret agents, and astounding obstacles to keep them from the truth and from each other. Ooh. Ooh, um, such intrigue. We've got the about the director bit here, and I actually haven't watched any Ghibli films, so I'm actually going to leave that to you. You've never... Hang on, this is your first Ghibli film? This is my first Ghibli film. Okay. All right. This is going to be it's a much more. Good. This is going to be a much more fun one than I previously anticipated. Yeah. Great. Um. So, yeah, just a little tidbit about uh, Miyazaki. Uh, he's one of the co-founders of Studio Ghibli, uh, which have created, have gone on to create a rather prolific history of animated films. Uh, some highlights including Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo, and The Wind Rises. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle is in the Top 250, I'm pretty sure. It's a fair ways so. up. I think a bunch um, of these are. Absolutely. Um, there's uh, Princess Mononoke, My Neighbor Totoro, uh, Graveyard of the Fireflies. Um, yeah, there's plenty of uh, Hayao Miyazaki, technically Hayao Miyazaki's films, uh, that scatter throughout the Top 250 and Studio Ghibli films uh, as a result. They, he's, yeah, in my opinion, one of the best animated filmmakers of all time just the way that he can consistently capture a level of intrigue of wonder and creativity blows my mind how he how he can just do that so recurringly and he never in my opinion seems to slip i think it's yeah pretty phenomenal so Strap in, John. You've got some more goodies oh, coming your way. I'm strapped right in to this. I got, I got the five point straps on my firmly planted at the base of his seat. desk chair. <laughs> I ain't going anywhere. Uh, um, base for the whole seat, and you'll need it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll need the whole. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was about to explain your joke there, and that's yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you for explaining my joke. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, do you have other like animated film directors that come to mind? I'm just wondering. Um, Wes Anderson, more or less. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Wes Anderson does stop motion animation. My boy Wes. Primarily. Yeah, I know about him. Um, he's good, uh, again, but I think Hayao uh, Miyazaki just captures a little bit more wonder for me, mm-hmm. more consistently. Mm-hmm. Wes Anderson captures more kookiness. Yeah, um, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, Wes Anderson doesn't have any animated films in the top 250, which kind I of... He doesn't have see. any. Nope. Um, there's uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox is the immediate yeah. one that comes to mind. Isle of Dogs was pretty good. I did. I watched Isle of Dogs on, was uh, phenomenal. I watched um, that on a plane once. It was pretty nice. Oh, that's a rough one to watch on a on a plane actually, because that one gets pretty sad in some bits. Yeah. Uh, it was anyway, fine. <laughs> on topic. On topic. Um, 
yeah, I I can't really think of anyone that matches yeah Miyazaki's um prowess, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, do you have okay. anything in this film that uh, struck out for you, Jonathan? Any? Um, uh, oh, actually, before at the outset, okay. Um, I watched the Disney dubbed version of this film, yep. and Jonathan watched the original subbed version of this film. Yep. Uh, for reasons that we will uh, elaborate further on in the podcast. However, that's uh, yeah how we've been going about it, and I would also like to watch the subbed version. Uh, later on in the future so yeah they both have mind, their own little benefits um, correct there is slight differences and caveats between both of the not versions. not to overcomplicate it but basically um the dub yeah generally with like things like this the original language is a bit better um you don't have to translate it and then kind of re-perform it in a different language um there but the uh, english dub especially the disney dub sorry um does have a bunch of, you know, they're Disney as opposed to Studio Ghibli's first film where they have a lot less resources. So mm. uh, there is a full symphonic score as opposed to the synth uh, score that is significantly shorter in the Japanese cut. Um, there's also just a lot of, a lot more stuff with like extras and there's more voice actors uh, in the... Um, the Disney dub. In the Disney dub. So... Yeah, you know. Joe Hisaishi recommissioned all of his work and extended his... his originally, it was only a 60-minute uh, electronic orchestral score, and he expanded it into a 90-minute symphonic orchestral score. We clearly uh, to, looked at the same document, because I was mm-hmm. about to say that. <laughs> uh, to Yeah, to appeal to American audiences a little bit more. And, hey, it appealed to me, so... Mm. So uh, we'll talk a bit more about that later, but the dub was pretty good. I mean, the sub was pretty good. I gather the dub was also... Just yep. fine. Yep. You, so, you know, don't bloody stick your nose up at it. Oh, no, you've got one or the not. other. Oh. Although probably if you've got like a DVD, then chances It'll are it supports both. both. Or I yeah, don't know. Absolutely. Does Netflix do that? I assume uh, so. Yes, they do. Yep. Um, very pretty movie. Mm. Um, there's, I think, obviously, like with animation and stuff, there's a lot of scope to do these like crazy shots and you know make things very vibrant and complex which is a lot harder to do uh with this live action especially if they're this old um, i was gonna say with the resources that they had on i was hand, gonna say we're, we're probably we're probably approaching sorry no go ahead no uh just what miyazaki and his team managed to accomplish for 1986 it holds up incredibly well mm. Mm. Oh, uh, by yeah. today's standards you just you look at it and you could swear that this movie could have been released two years ago and I wouldn't know the difference yeah uh, it is so ahead of its time uh, you know these days like literally in the last maybe five years maybe not even that the level of fidelity you get from computer generated graphics means that you can we are very much approaching very convincing very complex stuff Realism. you know with yeah. um, Star Wars you know basically just adding in people who aren't there or mm, the um, posthumous um, performance of Princess Leia Carrie uh, Fisher Carrie Fisher yep and mm. uh, they also had the uh, young versions of them in mm. spoiler alert uh, that wasn't in any <laughs> <Good> film <work. laughs> um, but yeah I got a bit sidetracked there <laughs> Because it's animated, we're, they have... We're veering all over the place here. <laughs> yeah, the world is your your oyster when you, uh, when you have an animated film like this. So you can make some really crazy stuff. And they 
very much made this super cool, super interesting world with, uh, you know, these sweeping shots and this really complex, like, landscapes and stuff, uh, which is really pretty to look at. The... Yes. Oh, no, okay. The first note I have is Pan Flutes Baby in all caps. But after that, I have a note about the map paintings and there's um, just these yep. constant shots throughout it that are just mm. super pretty. Mm. Uh, really, really cool to look at. So a thing about Miyazaki is that uh, he often takes a notebook out with him when he's just travelling around, as one does when you're high on Miyazaki. And he scribbles. He just takes little drawings or watercolorings of the world around him. And then those watercolorings are often used as a basis uh, for the animators. And then they are used in the films. So I'm not sure if uh, that would have been used for this film. But definitely for a lot of his later films, you'll see a lot more of those matte paintings and watercolorings and things like that. Do uh, I have a note for you? to discuss d- d- later. Lay it on me. Spill it onto my ears. Later. No, I'll talk about it later. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> wow, way to blue so the audience. It's, it's very much a children's film, which I had mm. zero issues with. Mm-hmm. It's very um, very light. Uh, I would very argue s- that there's still things that you can take out of it as an adult, though. Oh, I could 100%. argue that there's a lot of underlying themes and things there that young adults and adults can definitely gleam from the film. So. Mm. So, you know, I didn't... But yeah, kids would love it. I was like, damn, if I was oh, 10 I mean, years old, I would be soaking this shit up. Target audience, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So that was really cool. It was just very low effort is the wrong word because it's still a very kind of gripping thing, very gripping film. But low stakes is also a bad term. Mm. Um, basically, you know, there's there's like violence. It's very slapstick. You're never in like... Yeah, it's it's very. There are stakes, but they don't feel like infernal affairs stakes. Yeah, yeah. There's no, you know, man walks into an elevator and his head explodes. <laughs> uh, that does not happen in this film. So, <laughs> in uh, gory detail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just like yeah, uh, it was really refreshing. I really mm. really enjoyed it. For it's a that. very uplifting and charming film. Mm, exactly. If you're just looking exactly. for something to, kind of just kick back and watch and just really feel happy. And that goes for pretty much any of Studio Ghibli's films. This one is a very good baseline. And I'm re- yeah. I'm actually very glad that you, this is the first Studio Ghibli film that you watch, John, because it's a very good base thought to go in for the rest of Miyazaki's films because you can really see him toying around with all of the ideas that become his legacy. Yeah, okay. Um, there's all of the aeronautics stuff that he is known for, your strong female leads... Mm. Orf- orphan children Mm-mm. it's it's all there he's just toying around and messing with all of these ideas that yeah all go on to pave the way for what studio ghibli is as we know it today so yeah i'm really glad that you watch this one first yeah i'm i, I can't comment on this because i've only watched this one <laughs> i was about Would to you say have- something no <laughs> wouldn't really add to the conversation <laughs> would you recommend this film John? i would recommend this film I would recommend you watch this after Infernal Affairs if that was a bit heavy. Watch yeah, this. <laughs> Infernal Affairs was a bit too much for you and you're kind of questioning life a little bit. And you know, yep. Yeah, there's no existential guilt uh, no. like concepts. There's mm-hmm. no there's no men being thrown off of skyscrapers. You will walk away feeling happy. Yes, exactly. Uh, but it was also just 
a good film. I was very much invested. I was very impressed by uh, the world, and obviously the animation was delightful. Mm. Yeah, feast for the eyes. For. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And as uh, if you can't already tell, I'm a big Studio Ghibli fan and a fan of Miyazaki's work. So obviously, I recommend this film wholeheartedly. So, mm. um, so go watch it. Go check it the, out before the spoilers come in. Go watch and it. Go. Or I will hack your bank account. Is that the new threat? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta Are work out. Are you gonna try and come up with a threat one every, every week? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be tough. He's gonna, oof, he's gonna yeah. hack your bank account and buy a boat, and he's gonna ride but, the boat. Okay, well, don't just take all of my good ideas. Oh, okay? sorry. Yeah, I gotta well, cross oh, that one. Are gonna say hack your bank account? List now. We're gonna say hack yeah. the bank account this week, and then next week you're gonna go and buy a boat. There's, there's hack the you. bank account, and then there's like. 40 sub-crimes about hacking bank <laughs> Within accounts. Within that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a lot of continuity, though. You gotta... Yeah, I think it's like a nice theme. I think that's important with a new podcast. You sure. kind of... You, you get some things that'll uh, that'll make Carry the on. audience go, oh, yeah, they did that, that once thing, before, didn't yeah, they? That's how that's good callback. This, this triggers my memory. Height of comedy. Wow. These, these aren't just a pair of uh, talentless no, hacks. <laughs> They're a pair of talented hacks that can... Uh, that can see patterns. <laughs> Douglas, that in the air, ho- the air hordes. Do it. The air horn, yes. Put the air horn in. Thank you. Uh, very good. We're now in spoiler territory. Spoiler territory. If you're still here, uh, I'm sorry, Please but I sleep. have taken all of your money. It's I all have gone. spoofed your credit card and I've spent it all on Big Macs. It's all gone. I have a shipment of 80 Big Macs coming to my house right now and I didn't it- pay for a cent. Wow. That's, that's a hustle. To be honest, actually, I have McDonald's sitting next to me. I could totally eat that right now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> that sounds like bad radio. Because I have self control. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's let's talk about the film. Let's talk about uh, the beginning. Uh, Sheeta gets kidnapped from the airship. Now, I was under the original preconception that the pirates were the bad guys and mm-hmm. the airship dudes were the good guys. So the people that were on the airship, I was like, okay, well these are our good dudes. Right at the start, that's what you get. I think the Absolutely. first scene, without, obviously, without uh, any further preconceptions or context, they kind of set it up like that, and I liked that. I liked the kind mm. of you kind of just believe that these guys are good purely because they're trying to protect Sheeta from these pirate dudes who are raiding the mm. uh, the blimp, which um, I think is actually good because um, it does take you a second. To kind of go, oh, these pirates, I guess, are not as bad as they seem. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Their their intentions are still not pure. Right. Yeah, no, they're very. <laughs> but comparatively, um, they're very compared misaligned. to world domination. And I liked that about this is kind of jumping down the way a bit, but Dola's character, the way that she never really, she always kind of her actions were, does this suit me and the lads? Yeah, and okay. she was always Family kind of following first that. Kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Because um, I did a little bit of digging, and there's a lot of the pirates call her mother, mm. and that's what originally I just thought she was called. I thought she was just mum, but then I did some digging and found out that Dola has three sons within her band of pirates, and obviously those three pirates oh, were called her mum. I know and all of them. No, they're not all her sons. So she just has three kids and then they call her mum. Each one of those three pirates call her mum and then the rest of them call her Captain or Dola. 
Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I just found that kind of neat. Oh, and just her character that. for me was a big mm, bellissimo. Mm. Um, yeah, she's delightful. Miyazaki does very good with elderly characters. Just as a, a baseline, he is very, very good at portraying the elderly. Thanks for uh, spoiling the rest of the films for me, Douglas. I really appreciate that. <laughs> There's elderly people in every... In yeah, all, there'll in be an elderly person in, in film. the next it's film. A, it's a goddamn motif. It's like I need telling I'm like, you that they're going to be airplanes in well, fucking great. I, your house moving castle. Big whoop. I, I know that this person's <laughs> not going to be bad. Thanks, Douglas. Oh, Jesus. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> the way that they're set up definitely means it takes you a second to be like, oh, uh, they're not that They're not bad. terrible. Yeah. They could be a lot worse. The pirates um, are so fucking likable. Like, they're yeah. just, ugh, they're the best. They I are pretty them. delightful. They are pretty good. They're such good comic relief. And, ugh, yeah, I love them. <laughs> they have so many good lines. Um, so, a switch back to the start. Flip mm, back to the start, because mm. I have notes here. Mm, um, me with I really like the opening. I thought that was just incredible with where they've kind of drawn it to look like um, a wood carving. And yeah. mm. I believe the opening is actually the history of the city in the clouds or just the, yeah. of the world in general. It's actually like historical, which now realizing wood carving makes sense. <laughs> oh yeah. With all the trees. It all stuff, lines yeah. up. It's like mm. a, you know, it's like a historical record yeah. type yep. wood carving deal. Yep. Um, that was really, really nice. Um, just like a little thing, but mm. it's, uh, you know, the kind of range they have in that animation is really, mm. really impressive. Absolutely. Um, uh, I noticed very quickly the, just like in terms of animation quality, um, they have a way of making the characters feel like so real. Yeah. Um, yeah. I particularly, I noted it right at the start. Uh, Paizu, uh, when he catches mm. Sheeta, mm. he like stops for a second to, he's like, oh, I'm going to catch her. Oh, stop. Put the bucket down. And yes. then he grabs yes. her and he's like straining under her weight mm. in a way that seems really real. All of those little details. And, are... and it's, uh, maybe it's less, or it's kind of like a combination of good, good depiction of the human form, but also things with like continuity. So there's stuff like, um, uh, when they get off the glider, mm. uh, about three quarters away in the film, when they reach the castle in the sky, um, uh, I think Sheeta goes to get up, or one of them goes to get up, and the other one kind of gets pulled up with them because they tie yeah, themselves together. Yeah. So it's yeah. just like this cute little continuity thing, which the, they then sort of play into like a nice moment because uh, Paizu picks yeah, he her picks up and up. they walk to the so end cute. and. Oh, that whole so bit is really nice sweet. with like the dancing and everything. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's delightful. So, so awesome. That, I was constantly like kind of watching out for little things like that. Mm. Um, mm. And yeah, there's there's things like um, the, the I mentioned before the matte paintings. They have these. Um, I actually was just really excited about the general landscape stuff. I was actually yeah, um, yeah. not unimpressed by the castle in the sky but i actually found the world on the ground a, a lot more interesting more because intriguing. it's because mm. it's sort of like a steampunky slightly alternate universe victorian kind of world victorian yeah. era mm. construction but everything's very you know sure. you got these 
these mines and stuff. I thought they you were really You also don't cool. get too much screen time with Laputa. And I think no, that not, not also really. <clears throat> you get way more screen time down with the mining town and all of that, which I think would add to that uh, thought. Whereas with Laputa, you pretty much, you just, you get up there, you hang around there for about 10 minutes and the whole thing goes to shit. And then, <laughs> oh, away she goes up into the yeah. fucking sky. So, yeah. but. It does continue throughout uh, while they're kind of exploring it and stuff, even when they're uh, being chased and stuff. It's, mm, it's all mm. still really, really pretty. Kind of as techy. Anyway, we're jumping down a little bit. but um, uh, Yeah, then um, Cheetah rocks up to the mining town after um, being kidnapped and she's hanging out with Patsu. Um, for me, is Patsu, it Patsu was... Is it Patsu or Patsu? In the dub, it was Patsu. Uh, okay, for you, it might be for, slightly different. For the sub, is it Patsu? I think it was like Paizu. Paizu. Anyway. Either way. I um, might. I think I, yeah, I wrote it down with an I and then I scribbled it out. Right, it's not how it's spelt. Right. So I think they pronounce it Paizu in the, uh, 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 in the sub. Yeah. For me, he's immediately likable. Just such a hardworking, genuine, charismatic, mm. lovely kid. He's just so, so nice. So nice. Oh. Um, so, yeah, immediately charming. Mm. Um. And obviously got a heart of gold, which is, again, very common for Miyazaki's lead characters. They are just immediately likable, like pretty much mm. right off the bat. Uh, he adds all like of these the, um... tiny little details and things to their characters that make you go, yeah, I, just, I love this person. And if anyone <laughs> happens to them, anything happens to them, I will shoot everyone in this room and then shoot myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> um... I liked the boss at the start as well. He was mm, mm. like a very rough character, but kind yeah, of fatherly. Yeah, rough and tough. Yeah, which is cool. Mm. Um, I loved. Uh, so when they start escaping, um, I loved the bit with the um, the muscle off where they're like <laughs> ripping their shirts. Uh, uh, I wrote. I wrote Popeye question mark. Yeah, um, like JoJo kind of. It had a real JoJo doing, vibe to it. They're doing like these big like wind up punches, and then someone <laughs> will do the same punch back, and they'll like stumble back in a very like. And the crowds uh, all animated and jeering. Yeah, and it's on. so good. And then like it it gets Starts like turns into like this full cartoon brawl. Yeah, yeah, which is hilarious. I um I did note that um at that point in the fi- well I I mean the whole time. The um the pirates are very like much more animated than the army people. Um, mm. They're very um kind of bouncy and leany in their movements that yeah. makes them a bit more um Cartoon. you know yeah and it it starts to break down that concept like preconception that they're like terrible they're the bad people. guys and yeah the, whereas the whereas you get um. I think it's actually not Colonel Muska at the start. I think it's someone else, the guy with the, the in the black suit. Yeah. Um, but he's immediately he's just like standing there, looking all sassy, watching. Like, oh. Yeah, from the from the alleyway. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This dude is. This dude's bad news. Yep. Clearly. Yeah. But yeah, that's I I love the animation for them, and it continues throughout. They're very goofy characters. Um, so you kind of constantly breaking that down. Um. Big fan of that. Yeah, like absolutely. that a lot. Setting <laughs> setting something up and then going ah uh, ah uh, ah, uh, look a little yeah. closer, and then you go oh, <laughs> it will not break. <laughs> oh look, it broke. <laughs> that's that's a few movies away. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's wait. Aladdin. Oh, it is. Yeah. Have okay. you seen Aladdin? 
I have seen Aladdin. Oh, okay. Well, fuck. All right. Well. Yeah. Sorry. Shit. Um, I, was ho- I was hoping I could make a, a, a reference and then you go, what's that? And then I go, what's that? What, what are you talking about? It's yeah, coming no. soon. Like, fuck it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then what happens? Uh, Shido and Parts are in the mine with the, the old dude. Um, yes. I forget his uh, name. Uh, so there's there's the whole escape sequence um, that I do like a lot. Uh, mm. That old engineer, you... Uh, in the train. I mean, look, I think we're going to end up just repeating ourselves going like, we love every one of the characters, yeah, except for the antagonists who are la- oh, yeah. who are built up to be <clears throat> cartoonishly evil. But even um, then, they're likable. Like, they're still likable antagonists. Sort of, except, I- for, except for Colonel Musker, who is just, like, crazy. Oh, I loved um, him. You did? Even though, yeah, I thought he was a great antagonist. Like, just oh, he's a, a good in- he's a good antagonist. He's yeah, just not yeah. the same. Oh, and I wish you um, had... Oh, you didn't get to hear Mark Hamill's performance of Colonel oh does Musker. Hamill play him it's Mark Hamill and it's Mark Hamill before he does the Joker for Batman uh, uh. and we interrupt your regularly scheduled program as we will get to inform you that Douglas is entirely wrong when speaking about Mark Hamill in this instance the recording of the Laputa Castle in the Sky Disney dub took place in 1998 whereas Mark Hamill began voicing the Joker in the Batman animated series in 1992 Therefore, he could not be, quote, toying with the motifs as he had already solidified the character of the Joker six years prior. The responsible parties for this incorrect information have been violently sacked. Just let me go we now return to your again. regularly scheduled program. Is that a gun? Thank you. Jesus Christ! He's totally toying around with all of these little motifs and ideas that he then right. puts into the Joker. There's the... This is jumping forward a ways, but... um. There's a section where Sheeta is running away from Colonel Musker with the crystal, and Musker is walking after her through the tunnels. And oh yeah, he's just laughing, and it is the Joker oh. laugh. Like it's oh, literally no. just the Joker laugh. And oh lord, it's phenomenal. They they whack some reverb on that shit, and it's just you're <laughs> like, he is terrifying. That is the if I was walking down an alleyway late at night and I heard that shit, I would. Pee my pants. That's such a good match as well because he is clearly like kind of. I mean, the joke is just crazy, mm. but he's like crazy with power kind of thing. Greed and yeah, uh, he's yeah. got a real need for power, which is yeah, it. Ugh, he was so good, such a good performance, Mike. Oh, okay. So I might run over it with the English, uh, the English dub then. Oh, just yeah, just brush over. Just, bou- just bounce it's, over a couple of scenes. Have, yeah, have a bit yeah. of a look. Um, another bit from Musker that I really liked was. He's a very smart antagonist. And you can tell that pretty much straight off the bat. Um, there's the bit where Sheeta casts the spell and then the crystal goes all batshit and he goes to touch it and it burns him, right? Yeah. Later on, there's a whole bit with the giant, the fortress all goes to shit. And oh, then yeah, oh, yeah. the crystal falls down and it's found on the floor and the military guys go, We're, uh, Moscow, you want to see this? And then he walks over and he taps the crystal. Mm. He taps it before he picks he it up. Kind of like checks it, yeah. Because his last preconception with it was that it burns him, so yeah. he taps it before he picks it up. And I was like, "Whoa, that is!" <laughs> I j- it's such a tiny detail, yeah. But it yeah, makes yeah. sense. His last yeah. experience with it was that he got burnt using it. So if that was how he last had it, he wouldn't just fucking swipe it and pick it up and just start mangle it with his hands. He would mm. first tap it cautiously and then pick it, it up afterwards. He's ironically. He's ironically not a cartoon villain. I mean, he like 
He is. He has but, the, the personality of a cartoon yeah, villain. Yeah, he's not he's But not he has like the brains a, a stupid... of like a Bond villain. Exactly. It's really exactly. weird. It's really, really um, weird. But it's so good. That, it's so good. Yeah, okay. I love him. He's Sorry, I just wanted to I just wanted to choose about Oscar good. No, that's okay. Um <laughs> The Mine. You did mention this. Yes, uh, sorry. Uncle Pom. Uncle Pom, that's it. Uncle Pom. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, do you have any comments on this? Because I'm just going to say that he was really nice again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's just he's a gem. And again, it's more him just making Miyazaki making elderly people so fucking lovable. Yeah. And just wise. And, you know, the fact that Patsu and Shita both, you know, they really listen in to like everything he's saying. And that, you know, Patsu obviously has a, a pre-established relationship with him. He's got, yeah. But he knows the guy. it's... Not refreshing not for like you know I'm old man stupid where's my pick why, why are you kids <laughs> doing down here I swear to god I'll fucking kill you and then Patsy's like oh god don't, don't look at him he's the, he's the creepy old man who's sounding the mind just, just look away don't just make keep walking, just keep walking we don't just fucking walk away walk away I know that's just nice it's he was just a really nice story beat yeah um, it's kind of not throwing this whole idea uh, at you, mm. um, he's just like, oh, this a nice is little like bit a of weird... exposition with him. This is a weird thing that uh, that came from another civilization. How did you get this? Mm. And he's like, he's like, the so like taken by the power of it that he um, he yeah, gets, he gets all put intimidated it away. and yeah, he's like, yeah. You put that thing away. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Interesting, interesting character. He's mm. not one sided. Mm. And uh, it was so was somber pretty- when they left him, and he's just yeah. standing in the hole waving goodbye. Yeah. I'm like, this is the lot. He's gonna die. <laughs> just like it, it's got like a really wide shot of parts of Wichita walking away, and then just the cave like crumbles. <laughs> Rocks just all fall in and cave in on him. He just he just well, dissolves into dust from all day. <laughs> parts of Wichita flying away in the end. They're like, what happened, to Uncle Bob? That's yeah. like, ah, oh, whatever. Ah, he'll come up eventually. Ah. <laughs> Crazy old rock crazy, man. He's crazy fine. old bomb. Fuck it. Um, so they get captured at that point. Yeah. Uh, I did make I did make a note that the uh, the fortress they end up with, like even that fortress has this like sort of rounded. It's it's intimidating, but also like not in a way. Yeah. It was really weird. It's, it's like very- just. Uh, not Disney-esque, the way everything is designed throughout. Yeah, nothing ever really feels too intimidating. Mm, um, mm. I liked the structure of the Goliath. I thought the the general design of the Goliath was crazy interesting. Yeah, with the like the helicopter cool. blades on the top, and then like the rotor blades on the sides, and that's again another thing that you'll find throughout all of Studio Ghibli films is Miyazaki just jizzing himself over air, airplane designs like like it, airships and stuff yeah he draws hundreds of thousands of airship designs and it was all airships are so cool though, yeah it was all through i think <laughs> there's his, a reason they're in every final fantasy his father sick miyazaki's father was a pilot in one of the world ah. wars i'm pretty sure and right, then okay. through that miyazaki adapted a uh, a fondness for airplanes and their structure and design and so from that he's just included them as a motif in all of his films so mm. uh, strap uh, in for more batshit crazy um, <laughs> airplane design 
I am so here for it. It's very, very cool. Mm. Um, and they've got the other, the pirates have their own airship as well, yeah. which is yep. um, constructed differently, but quite neat. Mm. Um, you mentioned um, the kind of military motifs. I um, I found that really cool. The, mm. uh, the army is very convincing. Mm. Um, and when they're not kind of, when they've got like wide shots of them or like people on the battlements and stuff like that. Um, they seem very real. They then kind of tone it down, probably for you know the whole the child-focused vibes. Yeah. So they definitely. So Miyazaki normally has a very anti-war standpoint yep. in a lot of his films, especially in Grave of the Fireflies. Oh my god! Um, but it's much less vibrant and in your face in this film. Most definitely. Uh, okay. His anti-war motif definitely comes through more in his later films in this film it does kind of feel like they're just there to be the force you know yeah um, okay the antagonistic force uh, yeah. which you know they do it well they serve um, their purpose yeah i think they they kind of uh i don't, I don't i'm wondering if he was trying to say something with that but the um the whole looting at the end yeah yeah uh, greed obviously very, man's greed and yeah. curiosity and, something like that that's um, um mm. that feels like it I guess a theme, thematic sort of thing there. I think um, that the what I got from that is that man's curiosity can be destructive. Mm. Um, in that they're basically blowing apart this, you know, old city yeah, that could have right. been scoured Just like for knocking artifacts. doors down and yeah, stacking yeah. shit up. The, the amount of historical uh, knowledge that was held within those walls and they just knocked it Cultural all over just looking for the treasure. Um, yeah. you know kind of obviously first thing that springs to mind is pyramids and tomb raiders and things like that yeah, yeah, yeah. so much historical knowledge was lost due to people raiding the tombs um so yeah i don't know neat neat idea neat it was interesting hey man i'm not a big fan of the military <laughs> uh so i'm into it <laughs> yeah. john's here for it <laughs> i can get around that um so there's they get taken to the military fortress and yep. uh, that's where we first see that Goliath which was quite cool yep a big Chekhov's gun right there oh absolutely <laughs> you're just like oh this thing's waking up yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's very obvious yeah I really liked the the giant the robot in the mm. fortress I thought he served a very good purpose as a character and his design in general is just creepy as all hell yeah. Um, they got the little um the arm that's been cut off the leg's been cut off and it's got like electronics coming out but they're but like also sort like of organic. organic yeah it's yeah. really unsettling that's um, really nifty and it's kind of a fun um the way that's animated because it only has one foot and it's missing half of an arm it's kind of dragging uh, itself and lumbering so it's like dr- yeah it's it like crawls through one mm. bit uh, mm. when it starts to fly up the tower mm it like hits one of the staircases on the way up yeah. because it's like not it's stabilized unbalanced. properly. Yeah, yeah. And it like melts through the door and there's like metal dripping off of it, molten yeah. metal. Yeah, yeah. I All really, really... Details. I did really enjoy that scene. And like even in that scene, there's like no one dies per se, not on camera. I mean, no one dies like on camera like you know yeah, on screen except for the giant the giant fucking gets it right down the gullet but there is but, that yeah. it's implied that there is a lot of collateral damage because yep. and Sheeta knows it because she is like bawling her eyes out 
when right, they okay. when they rescue her. Remember, he's she's just cuddling onto Patsu and just bawling her eyes out. And to me, that's just because she is aware of the amount of collateral damage that just happened. And it's I mean, all it's pretty. It's a pretty stressful situation. Absolutely, <laughs> like the the blood is on her hands. You know, it, if she wasn't yeah, okay. at the fortress, then none of that would have happened. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I really like, I like that 100% idea. Sure. I saw that, but I can kind of see it with how she, um, she like stops the giant, the Goliath at one. No, sorry, the giant. Yeah, the from she's watching she it stops shoot the giant everything, and she's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold it, buddy! Stop, <laughs> stop!" Yeah, but then he he shoots the laser out into the uh, the field, which I think was kind of more of an interesting like method of establishing because mm. as the clock tower explodes um the pirates There's, and paizu yeah, Dola and are just flying past it yeah um so you're like oh they're that far away yeah yeah uh, which was quite clever yep um and a very like you know pretty tense moment uh as they're trying to get uh Sheeta away from the castle yeah uh, trying to catch yep. her good rescue uh Oh, because there's the whole bit where Dola gets knocked down. And he has to yeah, like, fly yeah. Patsy's got to ride oh, the, the flapter. The whole thing is very cool. It's very, uh, it's very complicated, and there's like a lot going on, which was quite, quite neat. Mm, good action um, sequence. Good action sequence. Ten out of ten. Mm. Ten. Uh, but yeah, uh, then they—that's how good it was. <laughs> <laughs> You've rated the film. So I realized Stop. I was—I realized I was overstating <laughs> that a little bit, but uh, I just doubled down instead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, then they pick up Cheetah, and then they head back to the pirate ship to regather, recoup, mm. and um, um, that which yeah, whole, once again, you get more establishing stuff for the pirates and for Dola, which is great. Um, she's definitely uh, I I love how they she puts her in the um she puts her in the breaches, mm. and I noticed at that point that both of them had like pigtails, yeah, like braids, I guess, yeah. He'd like more or less the same, yeah, which was yeah. kind and of interesting. Something I spotted in Dola's bedroom in that same sequence where she brings out the breaches. There's a portrait of Dola, obviously, when she's a younger pirate, and it looks like a spitting image of Sheeta. Oh. It is like one to one bang on Sheeta. I did not notice that. And that's when I started to be like, is Sheeta Dola's daughter? Question mark. <laughs> well, obviously, that's not right, but. Just that little moment, I was like, hmm, is this a, mm. is this a Chekhov's gun? I don't... <laughs> yeah. That's not the definition of Chekhov's gun, but what? that's okay. What? No, wait. What do you mean? I don't fight you about this. What? Chekhov's that's... gun is the N- thing that's... Neither the... of us know about film theory. Let's fight. <laughs> <laughs> let's bring up Wikipedia, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, let's bring up Wikipedia. Urban Dictionary. What is it? If, uh, if a gun is shown in... The, the first act, then it must be used in the second act. act. They must be used. Yes. I thought it was by the third. Well, yeah, sure. Mm. Anyway. You won't understand this, but mm. the character that is in the boiler room with Patsu in the ship mm-hmm. is very reminiscent of a character that pops up in Spirited Away, who is also in okay. a boiler room. Just his design oh, okay. is very, very similar. So when we get to Spirited Away, you'll spot him. Hopefully, if you remember, mm. Mm. I'll remind okay. you. Okay, but um, just his yeah, his character design, his facial design, all that stuff is very, very similar. And I was like, huh, wow, I, maybe he was toying around with a kind of boiler room character design in this film, and then decided to reuse it for Spirited Away. 
I don't know. Got those motifs it's down. Neat. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, yeah. So I thought it was kind of. I wasn't sure how to feel about the whole scene where she's like gets put on cooking duty because yeah. she's like a very strong character before that. But I guess she sort of she does take it in her stride. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a couple a couple things just to touch on here between the sub and the dub in the dub the Disney dubbed mm-hmm. they modified the pirates dialogue regarding Sheeta where there's the bearded dude who comes in the door holding the, the little thing of flowers yep and he says that he loves Sheeta and that, that immediately I was like whoa buddy <laughs> she's gotta be yeah, like fucking like, 10 years younger than you yeah, dude let's, a bit let's of go there, let's go you know a little bit oh. don't think that's oh, legal big man yeah but- and in the the Japanese version which I'm sure you would have seen they yes. they aspire her to be more of a potential mother figure so she's like another yeah. dollar to them but in the dubbed version they think that she's a love interest because they portray Shita and Patsu as more in their mid-teens rather than their pre-teens so in the <sighs> subbed they I are, don't know Disney that's still a bit weird weird they look like pre-teens they definitely do yeah. not look like mid-teens no uh, <laughs> so that whole sequence kind of threw me off a little bit. I was like, "Oh, Disney, I'm not too sure on this one, buddy." Yeah, like that's uh, Mickey, mm, give me ooh. just run that one through a couple more meetings Put that again. One through just the be absolutely again. certain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I didn't pick that up, but they handle it better than the Japanese one. Uh, it's less uh, yeah, weird. Agreed. Come on, guys. I, they, and that's so weird for me. That is, which is. Less that the Japanese weird. one is like less yeah, weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that. Um, yeah, it's odd. <laughs> I, you know what? Good on you. Big thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Make it less weird. Um, don't have, <laughs> don't have the child. Good on you, Japan. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, I, I, I guess, uh, talking about Shida and Paizu, mm. uh, and they're kind of, they didn't like try and jam a relationship yeah. in there. Which I like that a lot. Absolutely. There wasn't the bit Big at the end that. with them fucking smooching each other while they're flying off into the sunset or some shit. I was like, no. Just, don't do it. Would have been unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Didn't yeah. do it. Good on you. Good. Mm-hmm. Big Miyazaki, fan of that. big... You get a high five. You get a big... Yep. Wait. Got it. <laughs> wow. Coach high five. Oh, yeah, you were catching he's... mine. Yeah, I was catching your high five oh, okay. from uh, from the other coast. Yeah. Ah, I see. <laughs> <laughs> he's traveling by express. Um, yeah, exactly. The Foley- it was only a couple of seconds. Huh? No, go for it. I'm talking bullshit. <laughs> the Foley for Dola's ship was really satisfying for me. Yeah, the, the okay. white noise of Dola's ship and like their little like all those kind yeah. of noises were just so nice to me. I was like, I could listen to this shit for ten hours and just fall asleep. It's so nice. It's like the. Uh, what is it? The the Starship Enterprise in Star Trek. It has like a humming sound that is really oh, good yeah. white noise. It is That's so right. nice. It's really really relaxing. The sub actually has a lot less of that. So I I think I think I did mention it before. There's in a lot of the more frantic scenes, the dub, the Disney dub specifically, um, they added music to a lot of the more frantic scenes that might not have had them, and they also added um, more music, a lot of. Right? extras just like saying stuff yeah to kind one-liners of, and things like that to fill the dead just space. Like, or just like just like chatter and yeah, things to yeah. make it seem like there's more behavior going on mm, mm. Uh, whereas the sub does not it has a lot less of that obviously right. the 
the score is uh, only 60% of the length of the Disney one. Mm. There is a sound effect for the ship, but I don't think it's multi-layered. I think it's just one, like... Yeah, sound. kind of like puttering noise. Right. So how does um, that how does that actually weigh out then? How did you feel with the amount of dead space and stuff that there was, the whole minimalistic sound yeah. aspect of the sub? How did that sit with you? So I I did watch when I was first uh checking the video, I listened to it in English originally. I listened to the the opening scene with the the Goliath. I think it was the Goliath. Or some other airship. Yeah, yep. The airship at the start. With the dubbed. And there's music running through the whole thing. Mm. And then I obviously watched it again in the sub. Subbed. And it was... It's sort of more tense. It's, it's, it's... Especially in an opening, it felt a lot more fitting to have no music. To kind of keep you, I guess, kind of wondering what's going on. Keep you in not, it more. Yeah, not exactly no. It's just a, you know, just a different kind of feel to yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Not necessarily fitting to a children's film, maybe. It might actually Mm. be just a better move for them to, you know, have it quiet for... The Disney uh, dubbed absolutely feels more Disney. And that is credit to Joe Hazaishi's expanding of the score. The, as you said, the added bits of chatter and one-liners and dialogue and things... All of those just, it really makes it feel more Disney. And mm. uh, when Joe Hasaishi's, you know, orchestral score swells and everything to give you the the emotion of the the bit that comes to mind for me is when they first arrive in Laputa and they're doing all of the establishing shots of Laputa and Joe Hasaishi's, you know, orchestra just starts really fucking going in and just, you know, <laughs> slamming in with the strings and everything. And I'm like, whoa, wow, this is so cool. But, like, I can imagine in the sub, it's a lot more understated. Yeah, it it kind of felt more like a, yeah, I mean, it's like a dead city. Mm. There's not loads going on. Mm, so, absolutely. yeah, I totally did get that vibe. Yeah. But I also didn't, yeah, it, it, it didn't feel worse Mm. i think Mm. i think it probably would have benefited from more chatter yeah and maybe more foley work Mm. um but it was you know it wasn't anything really stood out to me except when i was comparing it side by side yeah so yeah i it was interesting i i like the voice acting more yeah this is basically the upshot of it patsu and shita's voice acting in the dubbed version is not super hot um, Patsu, Patsu <laughs> is pretty good. Sheeta has her moments. There are moments where Sheeta is really good, and then there are moments where you're like, it sounds like you're at gunpoint when you're reading this script, man. Like, what's going Yikes. on? Okay, all right. Um, yeah. Are they child voice actors? No, you know? mid-teens. So they right, sound, okay. they make them sound like they're older in the dubbed, as opposed to right. in the subbed. I listen to the. The only bit of the sub that I've listened to was the section where Patsu and Sheeta first get to talking, and there's all the white uh, doves and stuff. And right, yeah, uh, the lighthouse. They sound so them. much more childish in the sub yeah, than okay. they do in the dubbed. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah, which you know, weird decision. But anyway, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Come on, Disney, you don't have any excuse. You put yeah. teen actors in there instead of child actors. Mm. When Come they on, very obviously look like children. Um, the mm. theme motif that Joe Hisaishi, um sets up, I can't uh, think of the, the... I can't sing or hum the melody right now, but I just... It's so good. The The Castle in the Sky theme, as like a general, is just so lovely. 
and overlay overlay this bit of audio with the uh, which, yeah oh, we can't we'll get we'll get record. copyrighted so I can only put in like I don't know like three seconds so and stop <laughs> okay all right yeah <laughs> is that enough okay <laughs> don't actually do it then yeah. because we were we were jabbering at the same time yeah well, no, well, no I'll just insert some silence and then and then stop uh, all right uh, uh, okay. <laughs> It was just so nice. Joe Hasashi, he, he continues to compose music for all but one of Studio Ghibli's films. I think it's Ponyo that he doesn't compose the score for. Don't oh, quote okay. me on that. But uh, this is him at his finest, if you ask me. Uh, especially in the dubs, because he gets that access to more instruments, which gives the score a bit more fullness than right. I think it does in the subbed. But again, as you say, that's, you know, not exactly for the best, not exactly for the worst. It is nice to have those understated moments in the score where the music can kind of take a backseat and the visuals can do the storytelling for you rather than yeah. the music swelling and you going, oh, I have to feel sad now. Oh! <laughs> you just, yeah, you yeah. let the visuals There was do definitely, it for you. you know, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to compare it, I guess, for, for yeah. you to be like, mm. was I... Did I feel adequately emotional in this scene? I'm not certain. Mm. But I think the... I didn't have, you know... I wasn't sitting there going like, what am I supposed to feel here? I think it was very obviously communicated. Did you enjoy the soundtrack in the subbed? It's... There's a lot less of it. And it's a lot simpler. Yeah. So I thought it was really charming. Yes. uh, Because it is just... I think it's just single track synth. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't actually thinking about it as much as I probably should have been. Mm. Now that mm. I think, it was yeah, it was good. I mean, I'm currently doing a diploma of music, so I'm obviously paying a lot more attention <laughs> to composing music and the way that film and music kind of integrate. I find it really interesting. Um, so I'll probably be batting on a lot about soundtracks. So sorry about I'm that. I'm gonna try harder. I'm gonna I'm gonna work it out. Open, uh, listen with the most refined part of your ear, mm. my boy. Mm, the most refined. <laughs> um, getting back on track, uh, <laughs> the bit that is probably one of the most talked about bits in whenever someone talks about Castle in the Sky, the moment where Sheeta has the bit where with Dola, where Sheeta is up with Patsu in the the crow's nest, as it were. And oh yeah, that was such a good scene. Dola says to you know come down, you know shouldn't be up there. You're a girl. And then Cheetah retorts that, you know, I'm a female and that, you know, I can do this just fine. And she... I think she says... So I don't know if she says this in the dub, but in the sub, she says, you're a girl too. Yes. Yeah, she says uh, that in the, yeah. in the um, dubbed as well. Which is like, ah, oh, cracker. It, yeah, Love it. So, good writing. And, you know, yeah. obviously very progressive and very ahead of its time. And just, yeah, good to see. Good to, you know, see that happen in a kid's movie. And give that level of responsibility and respect to the female lead, I think is really important. Yeah. Rather than Patsu being like, it's too unsafe for you. You should be up here. Get down in the break. She's like pushing her head down and shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's good. It's, it's good. just it's, good to have. Yeah. It's, it's the main reason it's the why they did It's the correct choice have- to make. Is They've got that one scene uh, with yeah, like the kitchen scene. I'm like, this is a bit of a a bit of a left turn from what we'd had up until now. But um, they uh, 
they then kind of turn around by making all the pirates look like massive man babies, <laughs> which <laughs> I guess it balances out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think obviously that's such a good um, thing, especially with a children's film, to be like, there is mm. nothing stopping you to set a, that example a, for. Uh, as a goal, you can yeah. do everything the boy can do. Absolutely. Yep. I think that's really good, and I hope that we see zero complaints. Hope that from we see me more of that. that in the top two fifty, actually. Um, I think we will see more in the Ghibli films. Yeah, if, uh, absolutely. I mean, you literally said that before. Yep. Um, I just a note that I wrote down here is that this movie would have been fucking electrifying in the eighties when it oh, first yeah. came out. Yeah, this shit would it was have 86? been uh, just knowing everything that we know now and seeing everything that we've seen now. We kind of take Laputa Castle in the Sky and its animation with a pinch of salt because we already have so many amazing animated films and stuff that we've seen. But for this to come out and the only other thing really that might have contested with it might have been, I don't know, Akira, but that didn't come out until two years later. Uh, Norska, Valley is of the pre- Wind. Is it pre-Disney? You, uh, I mean... Shit, Disney was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and that shit was 1960-something. Um, I can hear you typing, oh, okay, so right. I'm going to cover you for <laughs> to let you go and uh, I'm just search this yeah, up. the day for Snow White and Seven Dwarves. Um, um. <laughs> yeah, it's for a movie like this to come oh, okay, out... Okay, 30, 37, so it's not like... Yeah. It's not like they were like leading the charge. Absolutely, but, but still, for a movie like this to come out when it did, it must have been insane especially the it's the same very different themes to the yeah. snow white <laughs> well, okay like just from watching a disney film and then you watch this you can't really compare the two because mm. they're of different cultural backgrounds they're of different themes i can imagine back in 1986 that you couldn't really compare this film to anything it was just so a little product of itself um, mm. the the scene that very unique the scene that made me write that note was the section where Patsu and Shita are flying through the storm to get to Laputa, and it's yep. all black and there's all these lightning bolts and strange colors I and close up shots. I of, did write a note about that because of yeah. like how it looked is it's just amazing. Close up shots so of Patsu's face and everything and his reactions and the uh, hyper shadow. Yeah, and- just uh, it's animation at its finest you know it was really cool um, and there is definitely some um kind of disney uh flair. impact with a lot Absolutely. of the animation yeah. i think and i think I that's think the style is yeah uh, it's it's probably similar to the toy story effect how you know basically 3d animation looks the way it does because the first toy story big, kicked its ass so fucking well the, the big th- first 3d animated film was you know, all the characters were plastic. Yeah, yeah. So that means that they kind of got away with a sort of a lower level of details that were having yeah. skin look a lot smoother and stuff like that. Yep. So I, I feel like this would have had a very similar effect. Mm. Uh, sorry, Disney would have had a very similar effect with uh, those early animated films. Yep. So, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, Laputa itself, I think, was fucking magical. The sense of wonder that it creates for me was really cool. Like the bit where they're in the the greenhouse type area where when you're inside this bubble, you could see out to the sky, but from the outside, it was wall. So it was like a a two-way mirror type of effect. 
which yeah i don't know just all of those tiny little details and the animals and the foliage and everything yeah i don't know it just it really had me going whoa (laughs) so pretty (laughs) i really love the design yeah yeah uh, and all like the interesting parts i i wonder if i'm being a bit too picky but i did feel like like it was too much of a you know, a change from the, like, really tense bit that had up till there. But I guess you do need kind of a break. You need that, yeah. <laughs> it does they've been, very hard. They've kind of been on the chase and had the military on their tail and then, yeah, everything's kind of been pretty full on. I do. I guess you do get that break with um, just the whole pirate sequence of them on the ship, you know, living on the ship. You get that as a break. But then you're pretty much mm. right back into it when they bump into Goliath and then they're both racing for... Laputa. It's probably only five minutes, five or yeah, ten minutes. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I get where you're coming from. I can I don't know. I can understand. I that. I, I, I think I'll think about that a bit mm. more. But it was yeah, I mean very pretty. Yeah. Very interesting. Yep. And they start to kind of piece things together mm. Mm. of um, who the people of Laputa like, were. Going on. Um and obviously, I mean that uh the whole message of Laputa still fucking rings true thirty four years later, mm. which I think is insane longevity for a theme of a film yeah um and just the the preservation of eco and just earth i think as a general i i kind of took that as a a theme from laputa and then men's greed and uh, need for power kind of burning and incinerating uh both history and earth i think is yeah really powerful and the fact that it's was true then and is still true now is a very big statement (laughs) but yeah i don't know uh (laughs) Uh, i just yeah i found that whole uh sequence and motif very interesting and i think that does reoccur in a couple of miyazaki's other films as well is the whole preservation of Mm, not good not just earth but history itself we need to be careful of you know things that have come before us because we can learn a hell of a lot from them so like this movie so yeah, wow wow <laughs> this is a piece of culture by definition um <laughs> so um you you know the movie starts to kind of round out from mm. that point yeah um, muska M- proves how truly crazy he is <laughs> some, of the, um, some of his animation where he's going like all wide-eyed and stuff behind his glasses yeah. so i was like oh yeah i mean it's very classic anime crazy dude totally, totally. <laughs> crazy antagonist i was waiting for him to like frizzle up his hair a little bit and you know like to yeah, yeah. his clothing a little bit but that didn't happen he, pushes, he still looked... pushes glasses up his yeah, nose yeah they go all shiny and reflective <laughs> no we did not get that Damn. unfortunately yeah no that was a good reveal muska's true identity um mm. for me i was like ah, oh, okay kind of just yeah like like I, we've mentioned this before yeah. but the whole pillaging and looting thing mm. was a bit you know you kind of it's saying a lot about you know it's trying to basically reinforce its themes there which i think it does a pretty yeah. good job with yep and um, a lot of the stuff i think before they actually discover laputa the idea of when there's the possibility of there being something bigger, man's immediate instinct is to build defences and to be bigger than the other thing that is bigger. Um, yeah. Which is the whole purpose, for me, of the Goliath. They would have built the Goliath because they knew that Laputa was somewhere up there 
and the idea that a civilization floating around above Earth's atmosphere that could demolish us all whenever they bloody well wanted to, man's immediate instinct would be to go, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. We're going to build all of these defenses and military equipment to defend, quote unquote, ourselves. Mm. Um, there is a bit of um, interesting, like, in film uh, history there where they talk about they're like, this wasn't, like, this didn't used to just be a, uh, you know, a story told to children. This used to be the kind of apex civilization. Yeah. And I actually started to notice that I think, I think it was in the final scene, uh, maybe a bit earlier, yeah. but there are craters everywhere. In the, in the mining town, like, in all the flat plains and stuff, it's covered in, like, obviously the remnants of some bombings from a long-past war, which was just such a tiny little thing, but it's definitely something that you'll notice if you watch it again. Absolutely, and uh, again, all of that sort of the, the military and the war motifs scattered all throughout uh, Ghibli films. You'll find them in every single one. Um, mm, not not super positive. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I guess that's reflection of Miyazaki's view of uh, his father participating in World War. Makes sense. Um, Seems consistent. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I for me, that's all I've really got for the actual movie. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think the like- <laughs> the final scene. Um, it it doesn't do anything crazy. Yeah, no more. Um, that's it. That's the word that I was trying what? to think of before we started. The, the denouement. What? The denouement. Oh. The film. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was writing down the, the notes, I put down, uh, we, we write out the movie structure and then I put escape. And then I was trying to think of what the word was for like the end of the film or like the winding down of the film. Couldn't think of it. And it just hit me then. Denouement. Just hit you then. Just, just in time. Yeah, an hour in. in. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that final scene, uh, I didn't dislike it but i actually think i found the earlier parts of the film stronger for sure um, it does tie everything off in a nice neat little bow and then sends them <laughs> off on their way you know kind of kind of um not stereotypical but uh, kind of tracks some safe. common beats of, very safe of like yeah so but also it is so the 1980s ending. they don't have too much context for other they had a few they had a few movies back sure, in the 1980s sure but like I don't know yeah <laughs> they've been shooting film for like a hundred yeah, okay, years at that point right, or something look. close to it <laughs> um uh let's see I have a note that the core of the uh the city in the uh no, the castle in the sky looks like Ramiel from Evangelion. Oh That's not helpful to anyone because <laughs> that dude's just a fucking what? What are the eight-sided shapes? Not valuable. No, Jonathan. Thank you. Eight-sided. What? Uh, <laughs> what's the? Yeah. What's that called? Like a, a crystal that has like. It is a a shape that has eight sides to it. Do you want me to keep talking so you can search yourself? Mm, I can hear is, you typing. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Castle in the Sky. <laughs> Vamp, 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 vamp. Uh, uh, it was, uh, yeah, I added. Uh, oh, actually, something I can talk about that has mild merit. I liked that Patsu and Shita didn't join the pirates at the end. I liked that they went their right. separate ways. Because that, to me, was a very obvious choice that they. Because, you know, Dola obviously has the attachment to Shita, and Patsu is, you know, there for the lads, and he's kind of there for Shita. Um, and he enjoys the ship and everything. But. I'm glad, yeah, that they both went their separate ways. It's uh, it's called, 
It's called an octahedron. <laughs> I'm not proud of myself for that it's, one. Well, hey, uh, still, it's we're all learning things. Maybe some are learning things. I'm learning it that called. it is just obviously the most <laughs> obvious name for a polyhedron well, yeah, with eight o- sides. Yeah, Octa octahedron mm. makes sense. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I yeah I did find that last bit. I guess I was kind of riding off of so much of the world building that happens early in, and there's kind of the kind of roiling chase that you have, or the like, the, the escapes and yeah. stuff. I found that a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, obviously, introducing new characters, I was really cool. Um, I, you know, yeah, not a bad ending. Yeah. So very, uh, as I said, it's a very uh, the neat ending. Ending. The ending, ending, very wholesome. Yes. Like that a lot. Yes. The pirates got away, and they've all got yep. their they've like. I've got that goofy montage of them waving goodbye, and then one of the pirates nearly falls off the thing, and you know, climbs yeah. back on. That's again uh, very Ghibli esque. All of the uh, the uh, the goodbyes and the farewells are all kind of very wholesome and sweet. Um, mm, mm. Moving on, looking to the oh, yeah. future, very exactly. very nice. Um, so, do you want to do you want to trade off some trivia? Okay, the trivia, the trivia that so, you've got written down is different to my trivia. So, do you want to spill off yours, and then I can toss some back at you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the Laputa city is based off of Gulliver's Travels uh-huh. uh, by, which is actually referenced in, in the subbed, but not in the dubbed. In oh, not in nope. the dubbed. That's all, right. All references to Gulliver's Travels and Treasure Island were removed from the dubbed, which I'm guessing which is, is for copyright choice. issues. I think surely not. Oh, They've no. got to be public. Um, public domain, yeah. Public domain. No um, the uh, maybe they just didn't want to veer note, credit to anything outside of the film. They were just like, "Hey, maybe I don't know." Praise this film. Don't praise any other form of media. Bit of a bit of a Disney yeah, vibe, well. but okay. Um, you did mention before Miyazaki um, taking photos of. Uh, Things in his travels. Uh, not taking Sketching. photos, making paintings, yep. that kind of thing. Getting inspiration mm. from his travels. Yeah. Um, uh, the mining town was based off of uh, a Welsh mi- mining town. A Welsh mining town. I genuinely that Miyazaki didn't know that. visited uh, during a time that I've forgotten. I sounded so convincing Sometimes. when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely did not know this. I did not know that. I am not I'm reading not- <laughs> off of the same notes sheet as you. <laughs> um, but that was really cool. It was. It did, did definitely feel familiar and pretty realistic, but uh, still a bit fantastical. Probably just because I haven't been to Wales. <laughs> that might make sense. Uh, Maybe I, they I was are not around. fantastical. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, what do you have, big man? Um, so I've got uh, for you wouldn't know this because you listened to the uh, you watched the subbed version. I watched the dubbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the guy who played the general, General Moro, question mark, um, he is voiced by Jim Cummings. Now, does that name ring a bell for you at all? Yes, I don't know what he does, but I've heard the name. He before. voices Razul and Farouk in Aladdin. He voices an announcer in Toy Story. He's voiced uh, a couple of characters in Pocahontas. Um, he's gone on to do a very illustrious voice acting career. And this was his very first debut in a film for voice acting. Oh, wow. Um, so was Aladdin his big, his really big one? or? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Aladdin was kind of like his big... Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. Uh, take off, big main character moment. Correct. Um, 
And uh, then, yeah, he's in um, Atlantis Lost Empire. He is Winnie, le- legitimately Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, which is probably what he's oh, wow, most okay. known for. Um, yeah, okay. He's done just... Why didn't you open with that one? That was a, That's a much better one. Well, he was first in Aladdin as Raziel okay. Farouk and then obviously went on to um, then establish oh, the wait, character sorry, was of it- Winnie the Pooh and t- uh, Tigger. Okay. Okay, okay. Um... Yeah, he's just done pretty much everything and anything for Disney in terms of side characters. You will know his voice just from... You'll go, you'll hear the voice and then you'll go, where? I've heard that before. I don't know where, but I've heard it before. He has... Is he the guy that plays the piggy bank in Toy Story? No. Or is that a different no. dude? He he does a lot of he, stuff yeah, as well. I yeah. know about that one. Uh, Disney have, seem to have a very tight-knit group of characters where they go... Uh, there's this character that's in about three shots and we need him voiced. Let's just call him Jim Cummings or the dude who voiced the piggy bank in Twister. Oh, okay, I see. Um, yeah. And they just, yeah, you know, they just fill in the gaps because they're good at what they do. Jim Cummings has also gone on to do a lot of stuff for video games. In particular, the what I would most know uh, would know him for. Mm-hmm. In the Kingdom Hearts series, oh. he voices Pete, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. Uh, okay, well, that makes sense. Kingdom Hearts <laughs> is one of my favourite game series of all time. If you haven't played it, go play it. Also has a lot of Disney content in there. Also has a lot of so Disney content, kind of so if connection. you like Disney, then yeah, go for that. But uh, yeah, he's just he's done a lot of voice acting stuff, so it was really cool to see him before he got big, I guess. Um, mm. To see him do uh, something Studio Ghibli-esque, and of course, Mark Hamill, both very interesting. Uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi who was one of the creators of the Final Fantasy franchise, uh, cited Laputa, Castle in the Sky, as a form of inspiration, especially oh. for Final Fantasy VII, which makes total sense with the amount of airship designs and stuff that go on in Final Fantasy yeah, VII. Yeah, okay. That's kind of a main And the steampunky vibe of Final Fantasy VII, mm. that's it, very obvious. Obviously, this film was a big milestone for steampunk and just the pop culture and the culture of steampunk. Yeah. Bioshock Infinite was another game that cited uh, Laputa. Oh, really? Okay, that makes sense. Um, Given that Bioshock Infinite is a game set all, pretty much all, in the sky. Um, Do you ever go down to the ground in Bioshock Infinite? I don't think think you do. You start start on the ground. ground. There's the the whole lighthouse thing. Yeah. But that's it. And then the rest of it's in the sky. Again, makes sense. Airship time. Atlantis of the Lost Empire, Wally and Up also cited Laputa Castle in the Sky as a source of inspiration. Wally and Mm. Up are two films that are on the top 250. So uh, they will rear their gorgeous head once more. (laughs) Um, Atlantis Lost Empire is not and I think that's a damn shame because uh, my sister my father and I thoroughly enjoy that movie and this film has a lot like you can there's one bit in Atlantis the Lost Empire that it's such a dead ringer for the scene where all of the military are rampaging and pillaging through Laputa there's a scene that's pretty much the mirror of that in Atlantis The Lost Empire and I wrote it down I was just like it's so Atlantis um, you can <laughs> totally see the inspiration um, Laputa Castle in the Sky is also the I guess the source of one of the uh, most tweeted moments in history when the film wait what What? <laughs> to, well, I, let me explain, I, no, no, I let, me explain. I, yeah. let me elaborate yeah 
it was the screening of the film in 2013, I do believe it was, in theatres. Mm. And everyone tweeted Balus at the same moment that oh. uh, Patsu and Shita say Balus. And I believe it was tweeted about 140,000 tweets within about the span of five seconds. Wow. Um, So that was the most tweets in relation to one moment in Twitter's history. Um, Pretty neat. And then, obviously, uh, all of the references to uh, Jonathan Swift's Gulliver's Travels and Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island are scattered throughout um, the film. So you, we both, we both wanted to talk about influences. I, uh, mm. I mentioned this to you. Uh, unfortunately, uh, all I had written down was uh, uh, Legend of Zelda. Apparently, uh, the Breath of the Wild and also I believe Twilight Princess have um, the same kind of vibe of this like ruined uh, civilization with robots that have kind of become part yep. of the countryside. Yep. I can see that rise up when the um the kind of technology of the old situ- uh civilization gets reinstated but you know what yeah, i mean yeah revived revived and also uh that one scene in nichijo uh where <laughs> it's an opening <laughs> oh my bit God. and they're on an airship yeah. are you literally going to uh, try and reference every single film in the top 250 to nichijo look uh maybe <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't trying this came to my head completely unbidden the oh opening scene where she's like looking out the window it's just like one scene in Nichijo oh, I promise wow. you <sighs> so yeah that's pretty good <laughs> it's um yeah obviously I mean from everything that we just stated this film is uh, left its mark in pop culture mm. in steampunk yeah. in uh, obviously a massive influence on video games it's yeah quite prolific which I think is <laughs> fantastic and it's good to see where some of the sources of the inspiration came from. I think that's really neat. And that seems to be, at the moment, a very recurring theme with the Top 250, is that there's films that lay the groundwork for other masterpieces. cultural trendsetters. Yeah, other inspirations, which I think is really kind of gorgeous. Like Infernal Affairs um, uh, was almost the predecessor to uh, Martin Scorsese's The Departed. Um, pretty much takes the uh, similar version of the screenplay and then reboots it into a more English setting. And then, yeah, this film paving the way for steampunk uh, culture and numerous other art forms. So, hmm. yeah, this is a good movie. I was really... It's really cool. It's one of those things where... Uh, I had this with a couple of things where you you kind of watch something you're like that's a bit stereotypical and then you realize this no, is the one that made the stereotype <laughs> exactly exactly it's crazy this is, this is where that theme yeah, came from yeah which is quite mm. cool oh another tidbit um i watched this on the 6th of january the 5th of january was hayao miyazaki's birthday so oh happy, happy birthday, birthday miyazaki love you yeah keep on appreciate keep on you. doing the keep on fighting the good fight <laughs> hmm so uh, we might wrap it yeah. up. Uh, just first and foremost, uh, we have had a couple of viewers ask uh, about films uh, that might drop out of the top 250 as it kind of changes. Um, rest assured, uh, we're working on a static version of the list from the start of the year. So uh, I think we might try and make it publicly available that would on be good, our socials so you can kind of see where we're mm. going, what's what's coming up. 
Uh, if you want to pick out a film that you know pretty well and you want to hear about it, then you'll be able to do that. We also have our social media more or less set yep. up. So we are 250pod, all English words <laughs> with no spaces in between them. T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H-P-O-D. Uh, we're currently on Twitter and Instagram. We have email. If you want to write us a hate letter us. For, if, uh, for our yeah. opinions If you want to abuse me for the dumb shit that I say, then that's where up. to find yep. me. Hit straight into the spam filter. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> filter um, all words we also- that include, uh, all emails that include fuck and put them in spam. <laughs> <laughs> If it's anything related to uh, bricks or bank accounts, uh, <laughs> that is yeah immediately removed. Um, we also have personal letterboxed accounts. Uh, mine is U U U P A H, and mine is I E N Z O K N I G H T. That's E N Z O Knight. Uh, all lowercase, all one word. Um, so. Uh, at the moment, I've been typing up reviews for each of these films as we've been watching them. So if you'd like a more succinct, written-out version of my opinions on these films, you can go and check them out there. Mm. And if you want to see the half-assed uh, additions to my list, go see my letterbox, to, because it is a much lower effort than Douglas's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we don't have a sign off or anything. No, do we, we don't really. We just kind of end it. Mm-hmm.